Amen. All right, well, we're there in 2 Kings chapter number 19, and we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings on the subject of revival, and we've been studying the great passages about revival in the Bible, and we've also been looking at the revivals that took place in the Word of God. If you remember, we started this uh, series five weeks ago, and we started on May 17th, and I began the series with a sermon from the book of Psalms called, Wilt Thou Not Revive Us Again? If you remember, we learned from that psalm that revival is not some mystical, supernatural thing, um, you know, magical thing. It's supernatural in the sense that the Holy Spirit of God is involved in it. But revival is really getting to the place where we know God and where we make God known. And then we talked about on the 24th about revival through dying to self. And we talked about on the 31st about revival through the house of God and the, the, the church uh, how the church plays a role in revival. We, last week, we learned about revival through the Word of God. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of revival through prayer. Revival through prayer. And we're here in Second uh, Kings chapter 19. And of course, we're looking at the life of this great king in the Bible, Hezekiah. Now, you're there in Second uh, Kings chapter 19. Flip just one chapter back to Second Kings chapter 18. And I want you to notice that in verses 1 through 7, of 2 Kings 18, we see a great revival that Hezekiah led and is summarized here in these verses. 2 Kings 18, verse 1, the Bible says this, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Look at verse 3. And he, referring to Hezekiah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did, and he removed, notice verse 4, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Neshutan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Notice verse 6, for he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Now, we're not going to go through the entire uh, uh, you know, revival that Hezekiah led. I, would, I, I do want you to notice something. Keep your place there in Second Kings. That's our text for this morning. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 30. If you're in Second Kings, you're just going to go past the book of First Chronicles into the book of Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 30. And I want you to understand that uh, Hezekiah led a great revival. And, and I'm not going to preach through his revival. To be honest with you, it's very similar to the revival of Josiah that we broke down last week. They returned to the house of God. They repaired the house of God. They repented. They got right with God. And honestly, what we just read here in 2 Kings 18 verses 1 through 7, those seven verses summarizes the revival that you can read about in full detail in the book of Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles chapters number 29, 30, and 31, God goes into detail about everything that took place during the revival of Hezekiah, and it's summarized there in 2 Kings 18. But I, I want you to notice one thing about Hezekiah's revival, that Hezekiah's revival and his life really is characterized by prayer. Notice there 2 Chronicles chapter 30. 
And again, we would have to begin reading chapter 29 to look at everything that Hezekiah did and everything that took place in his revival. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 18, the Bible says this, 2 Chronicles 30, 18, for a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves, yet they did eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. Notice the last part of verse 18, 2 Chronicles 30, 18. But Hezekiah prayed for them saying, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepared this heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Notice verse 20, and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. You'll find in the life of Hezekiah and in the revival of Hezekiah that his revival was characterized by this idea of prayer. Here he prayed for the people, and the Bible says the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah. And as a result, the people began to pray. Look at verse 27, same chapter, Second Chronicles 30, verse 27. Then the priest, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voices and their voice was heard, notice these words, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. So we see that Hezekiah was a man of prayer. He had a life of prayer, and he led others into prayer. Go, go back to the book of Second Kings, if you would, chapter number 19, where we started this morning, Second Kings chapter 19. And I want you to understand that when you study the life of Hezekiah, you see this great revival that he led. But then there's a problem that arises, and that's usually how it is. Just because your spirit is revived, just because you're right with God, just because you're walking with God, does not mean that you're going to have a life without trials and troubles and heartaches. And uh, what we find here in 2 Kings chapter 19 is Hezekiah with a big problem. And we don't have time to go through and look at all the passages. You can study this out on your own if you'd like. I'll get you caught up so we can jump into our text here, 2 Kings 19. What I want you to understand, though, is that at the time of Hezekiah's reign, the nation of Israel had been divided into two parts. You had the northern kingdom of Israel. You had the southern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel at this time has been taken captive. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, has came and has taken the northern kingdom of Israel captive, and now he has turned his sights onto the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. And Hezekiah, the king, just got word, just got the threat, just got told that Sennacherib is coming to take the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, I want you to notice how Hezekiah responds. Second King 19, look at verse 1. And it came to pass, when the king heard it, when the king heard what? That Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against the southern kingdom of Judah. Notice the Bible says that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and shaped another scribe and the elders of the priests covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. Notice verse 3. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is no, not strength to bring forth. Notice verse number 4, and I want you to notice these three words. He says, It may be. Here we have Hezekiah with a big problem. 
He has the Assyrians, who the Assyrians at this time are a world power. They just took over and they just conquered and took captive their neighboring brothers and sisters, the northern kingdom of Israel. And now Hezekiah finds himself with this problem at his doorstep, with the inability to be able to fight him, with the inability to be able to outlast him in a siege. And he turns to the house of God. He turns to prayer. He turns to the man of God, Isaiah, who is a contemporary prophet, and he says to him, verse 4, It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshake, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. And he says this, Wherefore? The word wherefore means for that reason, or for this reason. He says, Hezekiah says to Isaiah, Lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. I want you to notice that Hezekiah, when he had a problem, he turned, as a man of prayer, he turned to prayer. Now keep your place there in 2 Kings 19. That's our text for this morning. Go with me if you would to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 7. In the New Testament, first book in the New Testament, should be fairly easy to find, Matthew chapter number 7, 2 Kings chapter 19. Now if you're taking notes this morning, I'd encourage you to take notes. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes, and I'd like you to write down uh, a couple of things in regards to prayer. The first is this, the practice of prayer. The practice of prayer. We notice that Hezekiah, when he has this problem, the first thing he does, the Bible says, is that he rent his clothes, he covered himself with sackcloth. That's something that the Old Testament states would often do as a sign of their inability to help themselves, their humility and their need of God. He went into the house of God. He sent for the man of God, Isaiah. He said to Isaiah, thus saith Hezekiah, it may be that the Lord thy God will hear. And he says, wherefore... Lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. I'd like you to know this morning that we should pray. The purpose of this whole sermon, I'll just let you know up front, I think you probably know it, is uh, I want you to become a man or a woman of prayer. Our church needs to become a church of prayer. You say, why? Because the only way to experience revival is to be people of prayer. And you say, well, why should we pray? We should pray because God may answer our prayers. We should pray because it may be, Hezekiah would say, it may be that the Lord thy God will hear all the words. He says, wherefore, for that reason, lift up thy prayer. Matthew chapter 7, are you there? Look at verse 7. Notice what Jesus said in regards to prayer. He says, ask. He says, ask. If If you're a man in the congregation this morning, I want you to say that word with me. Ask. I know there's more than two of you, all right? Let's say it together. Ask. Notice, ask, and it shall be given. Say this word with me. Seek. Let's say it together. Seek, and ye shall find. Say this word with me. Knock. Let's say it together. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Jesus says, ask. Ask. Say it with me. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And ye shall find, say this with me, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Notice, for everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. See, the problem, you say, I don't know about prayer, does prayer actually work? The problem with prayer is that we don't pray. The problem with, you say, I've never had a prayer answered. Have you ever prayed? 
Have you ever asked God? Because the point is this. It may be, it may be that God hears and answers our prayer. In fact, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Go to the book of James if you would. James chapter number four. If you start at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you head back, you're going to have the book of Jude, third, second, and first John, second and first Peter, James. You're heading backwards from the end. Revelation, Jude, third, second, and first John, second and first Peter, James. James chapter number four. James chapter four. Look at the verse. The Bible says this, ye lost. The word lust means desire. He says, you lust, you lust, you, you have things you want, you have things you desire. He says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. He says, yet you have not. I want you to know these words. Yet you have not because ye, say it with me, ask not. God says, you know why you don't have what you need? Because you don't ask. And the, the truth is this, the vast majority of Christians today have little to no prayer life at all. We don't pray. We don't take the time to pray. We're not bothered to pray. We're not uh, 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 motivated to pray. But we should pray because God may answer our prayers. In fact, God often does not answer our prayers because we do not pray. And I want you to understand this. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You say, why, why doesn't God give me what I need? You have not because you ask not. Jesus said, ask, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You say, what's the problem with prayer? The problem with prayer is we don't practice prayer. The problem with prayer is we don't pray. The problem with prayer is we get so busy trying to solve our own problems, getting our own plans in motion, getting our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own things, trying to make something happen whenever something uh, happens that we don't take the time to pray. We should pray because God may answer our prayer. In fact, God often doesn't answer our prayer because we don't pray. You have not. You have not because you ask not. Keep your place there in the book of James if you would. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 19. You have not because you ask not. That's the bottom line. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Many of you have heard me tell the story before. I was just recently telling the story to Brother David. Back when we first started the church about 10 years ago, we started this church. My wife and I started searching our living room. And we had a handful of people there, of course. And we got it in our heads that we needed to raise up some money raise some money for a church van. We wanted to raise money for a church van. And, uh, you know, this was a little church in our living room. We had about 20 people coming to church. And we found this little used van. And they were selling for about $3,000. And $3,000 at that time in our ministry seemed like a lot of money. And, and we decided we're going to do this vision offering. It's the first vision offering we ever had. We said we're going to do this vision offering. We're going to raise $3,000. And I was going to preach about, uh, you know, giving and prayer. And we're going to pray that God would do this. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I decided and I talked to my wife about it. We talked about it. And we decided that we should give 10% of what we're asking the church to give. Uh, you know, so we we're going to give $300 towards this vision offering. Only problem is we didn't have $300. <laughs> we didn't have any money. 
And at that time, the church wasn't paying me, and I was working a full-time job, and, you know, we were just a young family and uh, having kids and whatever, and we didn't have $300. And then, we, so, so my wife and I said, well, let's just pray about it. And we started praying about it. It didn't really help because the more we prayed about it, I, I felt like God just laid on our heart to get $400. And now I got this burden to get $400, and I, my wife's praying, I'm praying, we're telling God, God, we'll get $400, the only problem is we don't have $400. Now, you're going to have to give us $400 if you want us to give $400. And God, I have to give something. I can't stand up in front of these people and ask them to give to the work of God and not give something ourselves. I'm going to write out this check for $400. Lord, you're going to have to uh, uh, make it happen. I remember thinking to myself, watch, God's going to give us $400. And we started announcing this about eight weeks in advance. That first week went by, didn't get nothing. Second week went by, didn't get nothing. Third week went by, I thought, surely I'm going to get more hours at work. Uh, We're going to get a bonus. Something's going to happen. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Week after week after week. The Sunday of that first vision offering, I wrote a check for $400. My wife and I sat there on Saturday, talked about it, prayed about it. We said, God, we're going to give this money because I feel like you've told us to give this money. We're going to give this money. And here's the thing, God. The check's going to get cashed on Monday. And we're not going to be able to pay, buy groceries or there's a bill we're not going to be able to pay or something. You're going to have to do something, God. We put that check in the offering. Got cashed on Monday. $400 went out of our bank account. That Monday, that Monday, my wife went out, checked the mail. We got a letter from our mortgage company. She said, honey, we got something with the mortgage. So we got that good night. They already know we're not going to pay them. I mean, how do they know that? You know, I mean, we just got rid of them. How do they know? They're already sending us a, a, a you know, past due. I opened it up. said, dear Mr. and Mrs. Jimenez, our records show that we have been overcharging you on your escrow account. Below, you'll find a check for $400. God gave us four, Monday. The Monday after we gave $400, God sent us a check for $400. You say, oh, it's a coincidence. Here's all I'm telling you. You have not because you ask not. Amen. Whosoever asketh, receiveth, Jesus said. Whosoever seeketh, findeth. He says, whosoever knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. The problem with prayer, you say, what is it? It's that we don't pray. Is that when a problem arises, when issues come, instead of trying to uh, turning to God and going to God, we try to devise these plans. And God says, look, God says this, you have not because you ask not. If you'd ask, I'd give. If you'd ask, I'd provide. If you saw, I would not. See, the problem with prayer is that we don't practice prayer. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 19. I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, not only do we see the practice of prayer, but I want you to notice, secondly, we see the privilege of prayer. 2 Kings 19, look at verse 9. And when he heard say of Terhaka, the king of Ethiopia, behold, he has come out to fight against thee. He sent messengers again unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah. This is the enemies of the Lord speaking to Hezekiah. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the king of Assyria have done to all the lands by destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed? This is a king, this is a wicked king with a good track record of capturing cities. He says, look, all these other cities have prayed to their gods. Their gods haven't helped them. Notice verse 12, he says, Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed? As Gozan and Haran and Rezeb and the children of Eden, which were in Thelasar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arphad and the king of the cities of, the, of Sepharvaim, of Hena, of Iva, 
And Hezekiah, I, want you to know, I, I just want you to get this picture. This is one of the most beautiful, I think, pictures of prayer in the Bible. And Hezekiah received the letter. They sent him a letter. This way he's reading the letter that he got from the, the, the Sennacherib. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. Don't, don't, don't miss this. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. He receives this letter from King Sennacherib with all these threats, with all these truths, with all these facts. Where is the king of, of Arvad? Where are the gods of these other nations? The Bible says that Hezekiah received the letter of the hands of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord. Don't miss this. And spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. Now, sometimes we get things we got to pray about, don't we? You get a bill you can't pay. You get a letter from the doctor saying it is this sickness, it is cancer, it is this situation, it is that situation. We get news, and Hezekiah, I want you to notice Hezekiah, he took that letter and here, a beautiful illustration. The Bible says he spread it before the Lord. You know that prayer is a privilege? You know, you and I have the privilege that God allows us to bring our problems to him. Go to the book of Hebrews, if you would. If you kept your place there in James, just right before James is the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number four. Prayer allows us to bring our problems to God. Prayer is a privilege because we get to go to the God of the universe with our problems And yet we often fail to do so. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says this, Let us therefore come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly, Hebrews 4, 16, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help him in the time of need. The Bible says that you and I have access through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit to come boldly into the throne of grace, into the throne of God, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The privilege of prayer is that we get to bring our problems to God. What privilege we miss out on by not bringing our problems to God. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 19. You're there in Hebrews 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you got saved, you became a child of God. You became a priest in the kingdom of heaven. You became a king in the kingdom of God. You and I have access to God the Father. We have access at any moment, at any time, we can enter spiritually into the throne room of God and ask the creator of the universe for any help that we need. How often do we fail to do so? You know why prayer doesn't work? Because we don't practice prayer. You have not because you ask not. You know why prayer, you say, why don't we pray? I I think we don't pray because we don't understand the privilege of prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus, the song says. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What if you had access to the president? I mean, what if the president of the United States 
And I'm not supporting Trump, okay? I'm just saying any president. What are the pre- I don't support any politician, just so you know. You say, are you a Republican? Just pray to God, okay? But what if the, pre- what if the president of the United States said, you know what, I'm going to give you access I'm going to give you, I'm a, you know that little red phone I've got in the Oval Office? I'm going to give you a direct line. You have access to the President of the United States anytime you want, anything you need. I'm here for you. Just you, you call me, whatever you need. I will, my resources, my power, my authority is at your disposal. You just call whenever you need. I mean, how often would you call? I, I think you might call a lot. I, mean, I might go rob a bank and call the President. When they give me my one phone call, I'd be like, you know how you can pardon people? I mean, you know, if, if you have access to somebody with power, if you have access to somebody with strength, if you have access to somebody with authority, you might call up. Let me tell you something. You've got better access than the President of the United States of America. You have access to God the Father, the Creator of the universe. We can come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in need. Prayer is a privilege because we get to bring our prayer to God. See, Hezekiah understood. He said, I got this letter and there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing. I don't got the strength. I don't got the money. I don't have the military. I don't have the, 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 the resources that I need. But I can come boldly into the throne room of God. Casting all your care upon him, the Bible says. For he careth for you. I want you to notice, thirdly, not only the practice of prayer, not only the privilege of prayer, but I want you to notice, thirdly, the promise of prayer. You're there in 2 Kings 19? Keep your place there in James or Hebrews. Go to 2 Kings 19, look at verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, I I I love this prayer. Sometimes you you have to study the prayers in the Bible when people are really praying to God. Notice how Hezekiah prays. He says, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims. Notice what he says. He says, Thou art God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, notice what he says. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. He says, notice what he says. He doesn't deny the facts, verse 17. He says, of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations of their land and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. The works of men's hands. Wood and stone, therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God. Notice his prayer. He says, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all, notice, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know. How do you know that this was revival? Because revival will allow you to know God and to make God known. He says, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. I want you to notice verse 20. And Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Notice what God says to Hezekiah. I have heard. You know that there's a promise associated with prayer? Let me show it to you. Go to 1 John chapter 5, if you would. If you start back at Revelation, you got Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John. Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 1st John chapter 5. See, there's the practice of prayer. Ye have not because ye ask not. Ye, uh, whosoever asketh, receiveth. Whosoever seeketh, findeth. Unto him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. There's a practice of prayer. There's a privilege of prayer. We get the privilege. We get the wonderful privilege of bringing our problems to God. 
We get the wonderful privilege of bringing our, our, pro- our problems, coming boldly into the throne room of God, coming boldly to seek help in time of need. I want you to notice, thirdly, that there's a promise of prayer. You know what the promise of prayer is this? The promise of prayer is this, that God, when you pray, that God will hear your prayers. I think that maybe we just don't really believe that. I just think that if we believe that God heard our prayers, we'd probably pray. 1 John 5, look at verse 14. And this is the confidence. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, notice those words, anything. Anything? Yeah, anything. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Do you know that there's a promise of prayer that God hears your prayers? Yeah, there's a promise of prayer. Here, Hezekiah is saying, Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And God gives him a response and says, I have heard. I have heard. But it's not just Hezekiah. It's you. It's me. If we ask anything according to his will here, you know that God wants to hear you pray? You know, uh, big problems? God wants to bring every problem. I mean, no problem is too small. Just, re- just recently, I mean, literally a couple weeks ago, my wife and I decided, my wife's been having some problems with her. Uh, my, my wife's a big runner. She likes to run, but she's been having some problems being able to run. And uh, the chiropractor advised her to maybe instead of running to use an elliptical. And we, because it'll allow her to exercise and not put pressure on her, uh, on her bones, we started looking for an elliptical and realized real quick that they're pretty expensive, about $1,100 to buy a good quality uh, elliptical. And my, my wife said, I really want an elliptical. We should pray about it. And I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed and we said, Lord, you know, you know, um, we, we're doing a little better than 10 years ago. I, we said, Lord, you know, we got about $300. <laughs> Would you let us, you know, we got this much money. Will you let us find an elliptical? And she started looking. I don't remember what she was looking, Craigslist or OfferUp or something like that. She started looking. Saw an ad just came up, said, brand new elliptical, no more than two hours of use, you know, $300. And, and we looked up the, 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 the brand and the, the, the code or whatever, the, the number that it was associated with it. Buy a brand new one, $1,200. And, and it's new, brand new. And my wife called, and they said, oh, I'm so sorry. Someone just called and said they're going to come pick it up this afternoon. And my wife said, well, do you mind, can I call in the afternoon? If they don't pick it up, you know, could, could we come and get it? She said, yeah, you know, they said they were pretty sure. They were pretty sure they were going to come. But if they don't come, you know, you can come this afternoon. My wife got a phone. She told me. She said, I really want this elliptical. Let's pray about it. And I said, let's pray. I said, Lord, and I started praying. I said, Lord, would you allow these people to miss this appointment? <laughs> And I said, God, no, I'm not, I'm not asking you to kill them or anything, you know, just like a flat tire or something, you know, just make something happen so that we, it was, because uh, we want this elliptical. And I said, and I said, God, you know what, even better, would you allow these people to call and cancel their appointment so we can go pick up this elliptical today? I said, amen. My wife said, amen. I jumped in the shower, so I, you know, get ready for the day. I came out of the shower. My wife said, lady just called, said they canceled. We can come pick it up right now. 
You say, ah, it's a coincidence. I, you call it whatever you want. I'm just telling you, you have not because you ask not. You know, God, God, want, God, God, does God want you to hear your prayer, you know, about some elliptical? If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You know why you don't get your prayers answered? Because you don't pray. You know why you don't pray? Because you don't realize the privilege and the promise associated with prayer that the God of the universe wants to hear your every little desire, even an elliptical. Well, I picked up an elliptical, $300. Cost we go $1,100. You have not because you ask not. You cannot experience, you cannot experience a walk with the Lord. You cannot fellowship with God without talking to God. We see the practice of prayer. We see the promise of prayer. I want you to notice, fourthly, this morning, the power of prayer. Go back to 2 Kings chapter number 19. Keep your place there in James, if you would. 2 Kings chapter 19, notice verse 35. And it came to pass that night. Hezekiah takes his problem to God, takes his letter, spreads it before the Lord, says, Lord, God of the universe, you, you are God. Thou alone art God of a truth, Lord. They've done all these things. But Lord, you, you can answer. Notice verse 35. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians in hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass that he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adremelech and Sharezer, his son, smote him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Armenia. And Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. I want you to notice, not only is there, do, do we need the practice of prayer, not only is there a privilege of prayer, not only is there a promise of prayer, but here's the truth, there is power in prayer. God can answer your prayers. God, God doesn't just want to hear your prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. And God has the power to answer your prayer. And it came to pass in that night that the angel Lord went out and they were all dead corpses. Hezekiah learned a lesson. That if you ask, you'll receive. That if you seek, you'll find. That if you knock, it shall be opened unto you. God can answer our prayers. You know what God wants to answer your prayers? You know what God wants to answer your prayers? Go to Psalm 81, if you would. Psalm 81, just right in the center of the Bible. If you open your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Psalm 81. You know what God wants to answer your prayers, and God wants to answer your prayers in a big way? You know, God wants you to ask for big prayers. I think think of Elisha. When Elijah said, hey, I'm, I'm about to leave you. Ask me what you want. Ask whatever you want. God already told me, whatever you want, you can have it. Ask me what you want. Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, thou hast, had a, he said, thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless. You know that Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's spirit? You know that if you count the miracles that Elijah performed, and if you count the miracles that Elisha performed, Elisha performed double the miracles that Elijah performed? Elijah says, that was, that was a hard thing, but you know what? God's in the business. Is, it, is anything too hard for the Lord? You know what? God's in the business of answering big prayers. 
Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Psalm 81, verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Notice these words, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. God says, look, if you're going to open your mouth and ask for something, he said, ask for something big. Open your mouth wide. God says, I, I got more resources than you've got. He says, I can do more. Hey, God says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Call unto me and I will answer thee. God says, all you got to do is call. All you got to do is ask. Go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 3. If you would, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ephesians chapter number 3. You say, what do you want us to do, Pastor? I want you to walk out of here determined to pray and determined to pray big. Open your mouth wide, God says, and I'll fill it. And look, obviously, this is not a prosperity message. God's not saying you can pray for whatever you want. He says, you have not because you ask not. He says, and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Obviously, God, everything we pray for needs to be according to the will of God and within the will of God. And sometimes we pray for things and it's not the will of God and God doesn't answer that prayer. We understand that. Paul prayed that, 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 that God remove the thorn in his flesh and God's response was, my grace is sufficient for thee. We understand God's not going to answer every prayer. It needs to be according to his will. But here's what I'm saying. How many prayers, how many prayers are we going without? How many answered prayers are we going without because we don't pray? God is willing and able and ready. He said, if you just ask, if you just ask, I'd do it. As soon as you're done running around trying to figure out how to make it happen, you just pray. Someone said there's lots of things we can do after we pray, but there's nothing we can do until we pray. The truth is prayer is a great time saver. God says you have not because you ask not. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, the Bible says this, now unto him. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, the Bible says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we, there's our word, ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? You know that God can do more, that God can do more than you can ask or think? I don't know how long ago this was. I, I want to say it's maybe five years ago. Five years ago, I, I, I heard, I got news. Pastor Anderson told me this, and I rejoiced with him that um, someone had donated to their church, Faith Forward Baptist Church, somebody had donated to their church $80,000. And, and they were excited. You know, they were able to do some things, and they, they bought a van, and they did stuff. And I rejoiced. I said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, you know, I got to thinking, I wonder if God could ever do that for us. And I started praying. I said, "Lord, you know, we'd we'd like to buy a building someday." And uh, and and Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I said, "Lord, I don't know if this is carnal, if this is in in my flesh." But would you ever would you ever give us eighty thousand dollars? I remember talk, talking to my wife about it. I said, Let, "Let's pray for this. Put it on a prayer list." Started praying for it every day for a while, and then it turned to every week, and then it turned to about once a month. It's just on my prayer list for years. Just on my prayer list. And, and just as I would go through it, come through it, Lord, you know, just there on my prayer list, Lord, give us $80,000. Just pray for it. 
I mean, about three years probably prayed for it. You know, one day somebody gave me an envelope, a check, $80,000. I thought to myself, I can cross that off my prayer list. You say, oh, you know, three years, is that, is that real? Here's all I'm telling you. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Now, the problem with telling that story is that some of you are already thinking about, you know, pastor, you know, can we start doing this and we start doing that? Look, we pray, I pray for that money for a building. We put that money in the savings account. That money is not being touched. It's for a future building, all right? So whatever you're already thinking about, some event you want to post, we're not doing it, all right? That's why some of you are broke. You can't get money without spending it. Right, we, we prayed, and we put that aside in the savings. It's in the savings. You say, well, why, why don't you buy a building? Well, you can't buy a building in California with $80,000. You can't even put a down payment on a building with $80,000. say, what are you doing? I'm praying for $100,000. You say, you think God will give you $100,000? i am just telling you, you have not because you ask not. I'm just telling you that God has the resources available. God has the ability available. God has already said, look, if you would ask, I would give. If you would seek, you would find. If you would not, I would open the doors and I would meet your needs. What's the problem? Problems we don't pray. Problem is the practice of prayer. We just don't pray. You have not. Because you ask not. We don't pray because we don't realize the privilege of prayer. That at any moment, at any moment, you can walk into the throne of God and seek help for time of need. You don't, we don't pray because maybe we don't realize the promise of prayer, that the God of the universe wants to hear all your prayers. No matter how small and no matter how big. Maybe we don't pray because we don't realize the power of prayer. That God can answer your prayers. That God can meet your needs. Hezekiah led this great revival. Hezekiah delivered his people because Hezekiah learned to pray. I'm just wondering, I'm just, I'm just wondering, what are you going without? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we do thank you that you are the God that answers prayer. Lord, we do thank you that you've made a promise to hear our prayers. Lord, we do thank you that we have access to your power through prayer. We thank you that we have the privilege to come to you before in prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd help my wife to be people of prayer. Lord, I I pray that you would help these dear people. I I don't know that I can motivate them to pray. But if you would help us to realize that we have a great tool in the Christian life called prayer. And if we take the time to pray, you'd hear our prayers. And oftentimes we go without because we don't ask. Lord, I pray you'd help us to become people of prayer. Lord, I pray that there'd be somebody here in this room that would say, you know what, I need to become a prayer person, a prayer warrior. I need to take prayer seriously. Help us to take hold of the throne of grace in prayer. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and leave.